0: Lauren okay. talks with Learn. her mother. <laughs> How's that?
1: Perfect. I think that's the best intro ever. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever the heck in the world you are. I'm Lauren Dow, and this is Lauren Dow Talks. I can't even tell you how excited I am right now about this episode, and I'll probably reiterate it when I introduce her. I had the chance on Mother's Day to have essentially a two-hour-long sit-down, uninterrupted with my mom, and we just got a chance to talk about life. I say uninterrupted. For the most part, it was uninterrupted my mom is such an incredible woman she is the best mother on the entire planet and is the wife of a man who was diagnosed with dementia a few years ago she is my rock my go-to for all things life love just everything she's she is everything to me and so For Mother's Day, I wanted to sit down and just talk to her. I wanted to give her the floor to just talk about whatever it was that she wanted to talk about. And it's... (laughs) She's just truly tremendous. And yes, I realize that I am posting this after Mother's Day. But in all fairness, this is a new podcast. And I did record it on Mother's Day, after all. What you'll hear are things on motherhood and life, and love, and relationships, and heartbreak, and divorce, and and mental health. You're going to hear my mother talk a lot about her relationships with men, and specifically men and women relationships. I want to just reiterate that this is an inclusive space. We love all people. I love all people, regardless of how you identify, uh, who you love, what you believe, I love you, and I accept you, and this is a safe, inclusive space, so let's just make sure that we remember that as we listen and move forward in this episode. So without further ado, I introduce you to Anna Dow, my mother and best friend. I am super excited right now because I have a very special guest, my first guest my mother, on all days of all days, mother's day. yay. and I am so <clears throat> excited to have her here. We are going to talk really just about whatever whatever flows, because we've got we've got the Crown Royal going, and we're ready to rock.
0: <laughs> it is a little strange because it's being recorded, you know, and um I'm better when I'm not recorded. But let me take a drink. Hey Lauren, do you think this dress is too risque for a 70-year-old? No, I think it's perfect. Oh. Just my the God. right amount of cleavage. It's a good thing there's no video. No we get really bad bad reviews. Like, what is she thinking?
1: I'm a writer. Sometimes I can be very descriptive and very good with my words. Oh
0: yeah, right. So. <laughs> Oh, she's still got it. Heck yeah, you do. (laughs) Are you kidding? It's fantastic. One of the things as you get older that you really free yourself. You know, you're, you're not as harsh on yourself as you used to be. And the things that bothered you when you were in your 20s and 30s, they don't matter anymore because you're seeing life. If you reflect, you got a long mirror. (laughs) you go back a long way. So a lot of things don't make, they're not that important anymore. I think you can find like a kind of a happier place to be as you get older. You can do it actually if you're younger, if you could just have that wisdom. But it comes with age. You know, there's an expression that youth is wasted on the young because they don't have the wisdom. And so it's kind of lost on them because they're striving to be someone, something, find their niche or whatever. And I understand that because I went through it too. But in hindsight, it's not that important. It's not quite that important. It may seem really important at the time, but it's not quite as important. I think you just need to kind of just love yourself wherever you happen to be know at any age at any place and then keep improving a little bit at a time you know baby steps baby steps is really important you need to take little baby steps just like babies do and eventually you'll get there babies do they eventually learn to walk faster and run and you can do the same thing like my husband he'll say um you should talk to the next-door neighbor. He knows a lot about plants. I'm saying, like, hell no. I'm not talking to that. Hell. I've been planting for like over 30 years, 40 <laughs> years. I don't need to talk to anybody. Besides, I have the internet. I can Google anything I need to know. <laughs> That's an ego. That's ego, right? Isn't that ego? At its finest. And its finest. The thing is, I recognize that. But do you recognize that? Because we all have that. The worst thing that we have Within us is a huge ego, and it gets in everybody's way, include yours and everybody else's. Their ego, your ego, their, your neighbor's ego. It's a, uh, it's tough. It really is tough. It doesn't have to be, but it is. Once you recognize it, you can work on it and uh, identify it, and just say, okay, well, this is my. This is one of my weaknesses. We all have it. We're born with it. Big egos. I'm just you Tell me, up. how do you feel about that? <laughs> I like to hear your comments about that ego thing. You know? Like, you know. Insert
1: cricket noises. Are you asking? Yeah. Who are you asking?
0: <laughs> Out there, whoever listens to this, can you kind of relate to that? Because, you know, once I heard that, and I thought, you know, that's so true. And then I realized that every time my feelings are hurt, it's my ego, cause I have a big ego. We all have big egos. Don't put the drink there, it's got <laughs> <health>. <laughs> I was trying to just like yeah, to not no, be uh, like over here, over here. Got, over it, got here. it, got it, got it, got it. So how are you doing on Mother's Day, mothers? If nobody else has told you, you're awesome. You are totally awesome. You are life giving. You are the best that the world can offer it really is there's no better thing than being a caregiver a life giver and that's what you are I do. she's gonna cry but it's so true i think you, you sacrifice need- your life you give everything over to your children everything you don't even know you're doing it it's sort of like a god-given thing you just do it You see this life that needs to be nourished, and you love them, and this love grows. Your heart expands to, oh, unbelievable, you know, breath of, you just, you know, you have one and you think you couldn't love the second one as much, and then your heart grows more and more and more, and that's really what happens, because love has no bounds, and you provide, you're like, you're just very, very special, And if you don't think of yourself as special as moms, you really are. You are sacrificing and giving every single day of your life and probably for the rest of your life for your children. Do take care of yourself, but that is what you do as parents. Whether we know it or not, we end up taking a back step and the children become more important. And so it becomes very sacrificial, which is a very good thing. A very good thing because now we're not thinking about just ourselves we're thinking about other people our own children and sometimes that goes beyond you think of your children then you might have empathy for other people's children and people that you don't even know from across the the world the globe whatever you know that's why we donate money to you know different things that happen to other people because we have this motherly bond you know that that just happens I have to tell you one thing though. Today I was in church. I was in mass. I'm 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 a, a, a active participating in the Catholic Church, so I go to mass every Sunday. And today was really beautiful because the priest gave us a special blessing, and and and, and he he said some beautiful things about motherhood. You know, to the point that it just made me cry because I thought of my mom, like what she did. But all moms do that. I'm going like you know you miss your mom. Um, when they pass away, but they're always with you because that love just stays with you all the time. It, it never goes away. That's one thing that never goes away. It's just carried on. It's really the only thing that doesn't pass away. Everything else can, everything else is nonsense, but love is just permanent, absolutely permanent. God's love to you and to you to others is just permanent. That's what you take with you after you die, and that's what you leave behind. So love more. That's what I can tell you. Can you tell everyone, like, where is Grandma
1: from, where are you from, oh, like that yeah. whole... Well,
0: my, my, my parents are from Ribera, Sicily, and we, we moved here in 1955 in May. And um, I kind of remember some of this. I know I was on a big ship, and um, I remember there was a big area where we would eat, and I evidently dance, too. There was music. My sister tells me. She's a little mm. bit older than me. I don't remember that part, but I do remember eating in this big you know, dining hall and whatever. And I have this one memory of uh, us landing. And my parents weren't really you know, wealthy, but my mm. mom had a bunch of stuff that was, she treasured, that she packed in this trunk. It was an antique trunk, obviously, and um, <clears throat> and it would have been even more antique had it lasted. But when we landed in New York, the the trunk disappeared. Evidently, somebody stole it, and all her possessions. Her her welcome to the United States was sad. I mean, really sad. Now we we, we left Italy, came here, and everything that she possessed that would have been Something that she was taking with her from her home country. Uh, by the way, she did not like Ribera. She didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a great place for her. <laughs> they lived there because my father was from that place. He met her during World War II, and she actually lived in Marseille, um, uh, Marseille, France. But he, after they got married, they moved to Ribera, and she wanted to move to France. He wanted to move to the United States. They both applied for visas to both places. Well, there was a, there was a story that was told to me that, um, I think my mom told me or my sister told me, I can't even remember. Um, my mom, I guess, left my dad at one point. And she went, I think she had, maybe she had two children, the first and two, the two girls. She took them with her to, to her mom. She had had it with Rebecca. She didn't like Sicily at all. She hated it. She wanted to go back to France, to Marseille. So she went home uh, to her dad. And of course, you know, they really didn't want her to stay there. But um, my father wanted her back. So he lied. He lied. He told, he told the father that he was very sick and that he needed her to come back. So she felt bad, and she did. She came back. Only to find out that he had lied to her. And I don't know, at some point they probably agreed to leave and come to the United States. She wanted to go to Marseille. He wanted to go to the United States because his brother had, had already gone. And so the visas both came, and she said when they both came, you know, the, the approval to go to either places simultaneously, evidently, she just said, I don't care as long as it's out of here. So she agreed to come to the United States. But as I said, when she got to the United States, her greeting was uh, somebody stole her trunk and all those beautiful little possessions that she owned. And I I don't know what they were. They could have been little blankets, little doodads or whatever. But it didn't matter. Those were her things that she would make her feel home in a new home. And I just remember her crying, and I remember the... The sadness in her face and her voice. And, and I, I felt bad. I was only like four and a half, you know, when that happened. But I still remember it because it was kind of traumatic, you know. And I thought, well, that's a nice how do you do. So she had to come through a lot of things to, you know, rebuild her life here. Along with, you know, the language barrier, you know. I love my mom. And Dad, but my mom was really cool. Like she would always say, whenever she didn't want to get involved in anything or things were too confusing, she would just say, I don't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> what a cop out! <laughs> she was hilarious. But you know what that did for me? I accepted it, but what it did for me is that I had to learn to be independent at a really young age. And so... I did become independent at a young age. I did everything for myself. I didn't have to ask my mom, how do you do this? And how? Yes, she did teach me how to sew, and that was a good thing. But as far as maneuvering through college applications or anything about life, I did that on my own because she, she, did, she truly didn't know. You know. She didn't know how to maneuver in the United States that well. And and she's she used it to her, her her you know to her last breath you know this handicap this I don't speak English she's she was flowing in three languages French <laughs> English and Italian but she doesn't speak oh she's ignorant really okay okay but so, you gotta love her for that right she, oh my gosh why wow, she can hide behind that what can I, what can you hide behind yeah what can you hide behind Oh, you can be surprised
1: I want to I want to kind of. I want to segue into <clears throat> a topic that I think everybody loves. And also, I just always love getting your perspective on it, which is love <gasps> and relationships. Oh my and, oh my gosh, I know I can already see you. Oh. Oh, I just uh,
0: well, <clears throat> I'm going oh. to say that I am totally a hopeless romantic. And, and I know there's plenty of you out there and there's nothing wrong with it at all. But you do need to still keep your feet planted on the ground. I mean, there are certain signs that you can see when you're dating somebody that they're really not the right ones for, for you. But I believe in love, and I believe that no matter how many bad relationships you've been in, there's still somebody out there for you. I have to tell you, after my divorce... You know, we moved down from New Hampshire down to Florida with Lauren. And my son showed up about a year later. He moved down with us. And um, for five years, I kind of mourned this death of a marriage that... I mean, I met him when I was 16. We were, like, uh, married for just about 30-odd years. I mean, my whole life really was him, you know, like, everything. So it was good to kind of get away And move to a different place so I could begin to heal. I just couldn't do it up there, evidently. I had an epiphany one day coming home from work and it said, you can live wherever you want. You're not tied to living in New Hampshire at all, so I made a decision to move to Florida. The housing was more affordable at the time, too, and I did have a sister that lived here, which kind of helped. I I can't say I love Florida. I was here once. Everything looked the same. Everything looked like a blur. As I remember, you know, like there was a a drugstore at every corner, it seemed like, and everything was flat. And that was my introduction, but I didn't really care. I just had to get away. Lauren, on the other hand, though, she couldn't wait to leave. Oh, yeah. She came and thought, my next move will be out of here. <laughs> it took her a while, but she's back. Funny know, thing about I, that. I know. She's back. You always come back, right? You always come back, yeah. So... Um, What was the point of my story? What was I trying to say? It's either the wine or the liquor, or like all of it. Yeah, we were talking all about love, about love. Yeah. So the point. This is the point. So after five years, I had my manager at work was saying, "You should date." I said, "Why? Like that's going to solve all my problems? Or don't you think it could make even bigger problems? (laughs) You know?" And um, she said. You should date, you know, and my daughter was saying the same thing. My kids were saying, you should date, Mom. My daughter, Lauren, who was pretty young at the time, just like a little teenager, right? (laughs) She gets on the computer, and guess what she does? She goes on, wasn't Match, it was the other one, um, eHarmony. And she says, answer these questions for me. And she's typing out all the information. By the way, eHarmony at that time was really bad. I found out that match was way better. It may still be that way. I don't know because it's been a long time. This is not sponsored. <laughs> uh, yeah, right, right. It's definitely not sponsored. But I'm just giving you my opinion. But anyway, um, and I was really strict at that time, you know. So, and then I and I thought, okay, so all right, I'll try it. I'll try it. You know, I was nervous. I mean, the last time I dated, I was 16 years old. I was in my 50s at the time. And I'm going like it's been a really long time. And I'm asking my teenage daughter, do I look okay? What do I say? What do I do? <laughs> do <laughs> like, like, a, like a teenager could actually like give I you knew, good like advice. I had any advice. Like, exactly. Really exactly. So the mistake that I made when I first started dating was I still wanted the other person to like me. I mean, we all like people to like you. I wanted them to like me, and that was the most important thing. I wanted to be liked because I had been rejected. It's kind of a natural thing for you, for someone to when they're dating again after some an experience like that is that you want to be liked, that you're still a likable person, you know? I think I kind of bent over, you know, a little bit too much. I gave too much. I don't mean that in a physical sense. I just mean is that I was trying too hard to be likable. So I wasn't really myself. And then it occurred to me that um, I needed to be who I was. And if they didn't like who I was, then that's okay. We'll move on to the next person and then the next person. And, you know, I had a friend say to me, sometimes you have to kiss a lot of frogs before you, you know, you kiss your prince, you know, basically. But as soon as I did that, I let my guard down and I just was me. Girls, I was dating. I mean, I was dating so many men. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I thought, wow, that's all I had to do is just be me. And actually, me was likable. You know, my heart kind of changed from why should I date to all of a sudden it opened up to well, it looks like I have a capacity to continue to be able to give somebody my heart. And so if you can give somebody your heart, you know that you can be a life-giving source to another person. Because when you give your heart to somebody, that is what it is. It's, it's life-giving. its Love is really life-giving. You just need to have that reciprocated. Otherwise, it, it can be very painful. And um, it took a while because God always has a plan, you know, and you don't always know what his plan is. It took seven years. <laughs> <laughs> Not dating, though. It took it took a few years dating. My daughter said, "One, I remember one time when I was really upset about this relationship that wasn't really going anywhere. She said, she says, Mom, listen to this Michael Bublé song. It says, you just haven't met him yet. And it was so true. I hadn't met him yet. So when she was going through other issues. I throw the same song back at her and go, you just haven't (laughs) met him yet, honey. You just have, God has a plan for you. It's just not the right time. But you need to trust and need to be open. Because when, when God opens your heart to love, there is someone worthy of that love. It's just a matter of just time that you meet. But you don't have to rush into anything, you know. So if you just take your time and let it unfold, again, baby steps, you're building little, you know, blocks of relationship. You just let it just flow naturally, not unnaturally. Like don't dive into something that, and I, I mean that in a physical way. I don't, I don't think it's great to dive into a, a sexual relation because it kind of muddles everything whether you like it or not, ladies. Women, when they give themselves physically to a man, it totally changes everything in them because we're built differently than men. As we give all of ourselves to them, we kind of want that back again. And men aren't built exactly the way we are. And so it's kind of better to hold on to that and to wait to see if he's even deserving of any of that part of you, and that way you can get to know other parts of him that are not obvious in the beginning, and then um, just see how compatible you really are. You, it, well, even in the Catholic Church, like you can you can publish your marriage vows, but you can't get married right away because they they kind of want to give some time for you got uh, for, for the couple and for anybody else mm-hmm. to come out and speak in their behalf to see is there any reason why these two people shouldn't mm-hmm. really get married you know be joined and there's a certain intelligence to that because you 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 can't know somebody that well in just a week a month or two you know um, it takes a little bit longer very few relationships have lasted the, a lifetime after they've known each other for like A month, three weeks. Parents usually have wisdom because of age, hopefully. Younger generation always want, they always think they have, and this goes for my generation too, we always think we know better than our parents. And so they. it's sort of like each generation reinvents the wheel all over again. Oh, we think that we do. Yeah, we do, you know, (laughs) because they know better, things are different. But when it comes to love and relationship, it never is different. But that's the thing. It's like it's so funny because I was just thinking about
1: this the other day. I'm like, when is it actually going to be different? You know, we had this conversation where I said like every time I get into a relationship, I think this time it's going to be different. This time it's going to be different. You but when want, is it actually going to be different? When like, what about I, now?
0: I know when it, the time it is different is when you choose a different. Type of a man, Lauren, who I love dearly. Here's the difference, and I, I've have t- told Lauren this is, um, if you look at if you've had a lot of relationships that didn't work out, you have to look at the type of man that you felt for, you know, the kind of guy you hooked up with, whatever. You'll find that there's a lot of similarities to them, and they're not going to re they're not going to be much different than the one before. <laughs> Lauren had the unfortunate circumstance of picking very narcissistic men in the past. Relationships with narcissistic men don't usually turn out well. If they do, the only reason they do is that the woman usually gets lost in the relationship. She becomes so secondary that she becomes kind of like a doormat, and she loses her whole identity to the man. And that's done because... They want things to go smoothly. They don't want to, she doesn't want to argue and not rock the boat. And that can't last because something's going to give. Mental illness, health issues, you know, just, it just, it gives, okay? The difference between all the other guys that she's picked and this particular relationship is that she's picked someone who's not a narcissist, he is only motivated by the love that he feels for her. And he's motivated because he he just loves her. And everything that he does is motivated by that one thing. And he's only in pursuit of her love. That is it. I told her that. I, I even said to her, I said, do you know why he's motivated? She goes, what do you mean motivated? I said, he's motivated by one thing. She goes, what are you talking about? I said, he's motivated there's only one thing that motivates. I said, "What do you have to offer him, Jane, uh, uh, Lauren? Like, what do you have like great wealth and things that he's going to, um, you know, like comfortably live in your under your roof and?" I'm an know, A plus partner. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I mean, you're just starting out here, you know. As a, yes, you're a beautiful person. You're a beautiful soul, and he sees that for what it is. And trust me, when you see a beautiful soul. You want to do everything if you if you're if even you're in your right right mind you want to do everything to to snatch that, and he's a beautiful soul too. This person that she's with is moving here he wants to be closer to her he wants to spend more time with her he wants to love her through everyone and everything in her life he sees her for who she really is and She's been bruised so many times that she has like a wall, you know, like a wall. yeah, but it's 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 a wall with holes in it, because obviously she's open enough to want to pursue, and that's a good thing because you always w- want to be a little bit protective of your yourself. But because she went through a lot of stuff, she has to build this wall to protect herself, because she's afraid of going through what she went through before. And I understand that, but it also makes it difficult for her to see someone that's genuine. And he really is genuine. He really is genuine. I can see it. I don't have her issues. <laughs> I have other issues. We I We all have got issues. We all have issues, <laughs> but I don't have that issue. And I can stand outside and see it. I can see just the way he smiles, you know. It's a genuine smile, and it's just one of just... You know, I adore you, Lauren. I, 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 I really adore you. I want to be around you. I just, you are breathing new life into my life. That's the life-giving, you know, I, get, well, I don't know what to call it. It's the life-giving force, I guess, in, in a love relationship. They always say that in a relationship, each partner should bring out the best of the other. And that is true. Your whole life, you want to bring out the best of each other because in the Catholic Church, they say that each person is helping the other get to heaven because they're bringing out the better part of them. And so that is what a really good relationship looks like. And I've seen it. I've seen it in other marriages, and I think it's awesome. And, I mean, at first I was envy of this, especially during my divorce. But now I thank the Lord that that does exist. Without it, where would marriages be? Where would family life be? So I think it's it's pretty awesome that it it does exist. And I want it to exist even more so. It's harder when you've been in bad relationship to see it because you you don't want to be duped again. And that's where she's at. She doesn't want to be duped. I don't think she's going to be duped. You're not pursuing, but you're being pursued. Your love should be earned. It really needs to be earned. You're a very precious gift to someone. Let that person earn your love and respect, and then when he has, then I think you know. You know, and so it's again, it's baby steps. It's not one, two, three. We're done. Come on in, move in. Yeah, we're good. It's it. It's not like that at all. I know it's. Is it
1: empty? Do we need a refill?
0: In a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Can you tell
1: us and everyone listening about where you're at in your relationship and with James and your husband now? Because you talked a lot about divorce, but what about yeah. the happy parts and the marriage oh, and the with James, and where you are now and. James
0: all that? and I, uh, when I first met him, I looked. You know, we we met through Match, by the way. We met through Match, and our first date was at Macaroni Grill in. I saw him park his car, I was already parked, and I looked at him going like, I don't know. I really don't know. You know, I'd been with so many... I mean that in a not a sexual way. Say the lot. Uh, yeah. I have <laughs> dated a lot of men and I just thought... I used to tell my daughter, I said, you know, I've just become a professional dater. You know, I no longer have to fix my nails or, you know, fix my hair or whatever. You know, it's just not... I'm just me, whatever whatever me is, you know? I can't say that our relationship was like love at first sight, everything was wonderful. We argued a lot. We fought a lot. I was just a pain in the ass. I really was. And um then um we went through a little rocky part and we didn't see each other for a while and then um he came back. I kind of let everything go, he came back, and um, he um, put a little ring on my finger, which I thought was very sweet, and he said that um, there would be nobody else in his life but me, so I knew that that was a big... See, the thing is, he had he only been divorced about maybe, not even a year by the time we when I met him and uh, and he and he was married for a long time too. He was married a good 28 years, I believe. And he had, had one daughter. And even though he says, "Oh no, it was an easy divorce. Everything was fine, you know, whatever." I don't I don't kind of believe that. Even for a man, I think they still have to go through s- certain issues. And I think that's what he had to do. He had to work out some other issues with himself. I thought he was gone like forever. And sure enough, he d- he did come back. By the end of the year, he was back. So things were different. Things were really wonderful because during that time, I kind of grew again and my heart grew and I thought all the things that we'd fought about, I'm going like, why were we fighting? How important were those things in our relationship? Do they really matter? I had a whole new perspective about things. And I always had this vision that we would see each other again, that we would be together again. Um, and I was dating another guy, by the way, because I thought I had to move forward, you know, like cause just in case, you know, and I wasn't going to just be a little, you know, person that's going to stay at home and mope the rest of her life because that relationship didn't work. So I kind of forced myself to go out. and But I had always visioned that that James and I would get back together again, which we did. And, um, and things were really great. You know, we, we, we bought a house. We sold our houses. We moved in together. But little by little, I realized that James um, was um, he was diagnosed as uh, with dementia, L- Alzheimer's, and it's progressing. This is the part that's hard. You know, you think, like, um, how can I find happiness still? I still love the man that I met. I have wonderful memories of what he was like. The thing with Alzheimer's is that it steals the person, and so he's in there it's just his illness that you see, not the person. And so this is when the love needs to grow. In other words, it cannot be superficial love. When you say your vows, and that's the wonderful thing about saying your vows when you're married for better or for worse, Worse can be an illness. It could be something horrible, you know? And in this case for us, it, it, it was him, you know? And I th- and thank God that I have good health so I can take care of him. But this is where your love has to grow big. This is where it's called agape love. Agape love is unselfish love. Where you love and care for that person. You respect his, the humanity and the God that's in him because God loves him as much as he loves me. And so it has to grow. And I and I, and I pray that I can love him the same way that I loved him when I, you know, when I fell in love with him. You know, and it was kind of gradual. It would like I said it didn't happen like overnight. But I I think of the man that I fell in love with. He's still there. And sometimes I still get a glimpse of him. And that's the man I still love. He's hidden, you know, in because of his illness. But it's okay. I it's it's okay. I mean, this is this. God has is preparing me, has prepared me, and is preparing me for whatever else is coming in the future. I try to live one day at a time, not to think about like how about if it gets worse. I do think about it a little bit, mostly to plan. But it doesn't stop me from loving the man, and I tell you, it's trying. It's very trying. I didn't understand all of it. And so uh, I'm learning as I go, and it is, um, it's sad. It's very, it's sad, but I still have him here. He still comes out once in a while, and you can, you know, I know he loves me. I know he cares a lot about me. It's just what it is. It's just something that you, you live with and have to go through wherever it takes you. And I don't know where it is, but I I do have a big trust in God, and I know he'll give me what I need in order to, to do what I need to do for James. That's it, pretty much. I love you. I love you, too. He's a wonderful man, too.
1: He's such a good man.
0: Oh, man, he's just... And I have to tell you, that man, prior to this, and he still does this once in a while, every day he made me laugh you know, a good partner makes you laugh. You make him laugh, and he makes you laugh. And he always was in the business of trying to find something to make me laugh. Now he does it with bird calls. He does (laughs) these little bird calls, and I tell him, like, the birds are back in the house. (laughs) The birds are back in the house.
1: So I think I have one last Uh, question. What I talk about a lot is mental illness and mm. I only really talk in respects to like the things my experiences because it's all I can speak <gasps> on
0: but I can tell you a lot about mental illness yeah <laughs> <clears throat> I'm surrounded by <clears throat>
1: <clears throat> so I I don't even really know what, what I, I want is. I think it's just more of like here's your open platform
0: well he, here's, the here's the thing the is subject, <laughs> James does not have a mental illness it's a mental impairment right things like depression um bipolar Tourettes all those they're all related and you know and and they run in our family and and I've seen it in many and I know I can even see certain things even in me they're not extreme, but I can tell like I have a bit of obsessions you know that I get into like sometimes I'll get into gardening I garden I, it's all about gardening it's all about decorating, it's all about this it's all about that I focus on one thing and sometimes it can kind of consume me but I find that most people that have mental illness, they're also, they also have an, an aversion to taking medication. And that, that goes for people in my own family, not just my children, but outside like cousins and other relatives. There's just this phobia about taking medication where like if you had a headache, you could take a pill and, you know and help you with your headache. If you had some pain... But there's some sort of stigma that they have in their heads about taking medication for a mental disorder. I don't know what the obsession is about not taking it. I could probably provide
1: a little bit. From my perspective, I can provide a little bit of insight because this is what I thought for a long time.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Whenever I told someone that I had depression Mm -hmm. or... Especially when I started talking about like the eating disorder, things like that. And it it's more like people can perceive a broken bone. Oh yeah. People can't perceive a quote unquote broken mind.
0: No. Absolutely. So it's much harder. It, it's
1: it's just <clears throat> so different. So it was less of like, oh, here is this repairable thing. It's like in my head, I thought I was this broken, damaged human being that was unrepairable. And I just kept having person after person, like just pushing me aside, being like, "You're you're too sick. You're too this. You're too that." And so I was like, "I am I'm, I'm unfixable." And it just, if I didn't take the medication, then therefore, I wasn't. I, did, I could just be like, "Oh no no, I'm not on medication. I've got this. I've, I'm managing this. I'm I'm okay. I'm good."
0: So what like, what what was the problem about taking the medication? What, what because
1: you- I didn't want, I didn't want to seem broken.
0: Right, but you were see. That's the whole right, thing. But that's but that's not <coughs> where I was in my head. Right, I
1: I didn't grasp. And that's the thing is like I don't think I was broken. It was just that I needed help.
0: Yeah, like you, you always need you need.
1: I as everybody a person needs,
0: needs help.
1: Like I, I as a person was not broken. It was I needed that assistance. Right. But in my head, I viewed myself as broken. And when I viewed myself as broken, I viewed myself as. Not enough. I viewed myself as like unworthy. I viewed myself as like it was very self-deprecating. And as opposed to that, that... it
0: was that it was just a medical issue that needed assistance. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, and it didn't. Doesn't. The funny thing is, it didn't. You know, they put themselves through so much time of agony of trying to do it on their own when they can get some assistance through medical, uh, like like some medication. To get them through the hard stuff. Most know, of the time, they don't need it for a really long time. But it's not—it's not that easy for everybody.
1: It's just not.
0: You mean everybody t- to goes accept through,
1: it? Yeah, everybody goes through something different. Everybody goes through this like different journey of like trying to even get to the point of being like, okay, I need help. Like, right. okay, I need whatever you know, and.
0: Well, I I have a story that when I was going through m- my divorce. I mean, I, it was traumatic for me. I mean, really traumatic. I lost weight. I couldn't eat. And I, I was going around in a circle. And I had a really good friend um, who lived up in New Hampshire. And uh, I would talk to her. But the talking that I did was circular. Like, I could never find a solution to it. So she suggested to me that I seek a counselor for help. Well, I after she did that, I was so utterly... Like, I was appalled. Like, I couldn't believe she thought I needed counseling, <laughs> you know? Like, and truly, and then I thought about who she was because she was just a beautiful religious soul. I mean, you know, she just loved the Lord and loved people, and she loved me. And I'm thinking, this is your friend who is trying to help you. And she says, maybe you need to talk to somebody. And God gave me enough wisdom at that time to say, well, maybe I do. So I called her up because first I was insulted to tell you the truth. It's almost like an insult when somebody says, you may need some help. You may need to talk to somebody. You may need medication. It's like, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. So you do understand. I did understand, but I knew the source. The source was love. It was a friend who loved me. And I called her back and I said, she had gone to a counselor and I said, Who's who was that person? She gave me the name. I called up, and it was very helpful. Um, I don't remember if I was on any medication at that particular time, but I was at least talking to somebody. And he helped me through the divorce process until I till I moved. And it, it was it was really helpful to to me. And but I was able to, by the grace of God, and it really was the grace of God, that I was able to see that I actually did need intervention of some sort. Because I'll tell you, my first instinct was, I'm insulted, I can't believe she thinks I'm crazy or whatever, you know. But when I think about it, it is like, I remember as I was speaking to a nun, because I, I, I always thought there was like, there should be an easy solution to this problem. I just have to find the answer. And then once I find the answer, everything will be all taken care of. And you know what she said to me? I'll never forget it, because it's so true. She says, can you change your husband's mind? I said, no. Then the only person you can change is you. So you need to change. You need to change. And so I had to find it within myself for me to change which means I had to go outside of my comfort zone I had to get some help I needed to build a new life for myself on my own and I eventually found out I needed to do it somewhere else because that wasn't apparent to me at at the time because there's just you know it's traumatic to be hooked up with somebody for so many years and then all of a sudden you feel like the rug's been pulled out from under you you know and and you're, like, all alone and have to stop making decisions. You know, and, and actually, like, grow up. Yeah. <laughs> like, really grow up. You and know it was what I like, mean?
1: It seemed like it was really about not only the messenger, but the timing.
0: Oh, gosh. It was just everything. It was just... But, but you need to have a, a bit of an open mind even when you're sick. Because if you don't let some ray or something come in... You'll be stuck in that spot for years. And there have been people that have been stuck for years. You know, I mean, like I said, it really was a grace of God for me to just, you know, get some help. And also that epiphany that I didn't have to live up in New Hampshire, that I could live anywhere I wanted to because I called all the shots. Mm -hmm. I had no clue that I called all the shots. I had never done that in my life, you know. And I remember telling my daughter... When, when that epiphany happened, I got home and I told her, I said, "But I'm, I'm moving to Florida. There wasn't even like a question in my mind. And she didn't like it. She cried. And then she said, well, it can't be too bad. There's Disney's there, right? <laughs> and she's a little kid, obviously. And I booked a flight. I stayed there like four days. I had to find a house in four days. In three days I found it, and that was it. It was one, two, three. Gave my notice at work. Sold my house. Got divorced. Drove down. And began a new life. It wasn't easy. It was baby steps. It was really baby steps. The whole process. But one thing that always stood out, and I mean I was a wreck. I mean a total wreck. I always knew that I was going to be okay. And if you say, how do you know that? I don't know how I know that. I just know that I'm going to be Okay and that was a god thing. That was definitely a god thing. I didn't know how he was going to do it, what I was going to do, how I would do it, but I knew that I would be okay and everything would be okay. And I felt that way about my kids, like I felt that way about Lauren, that I knew she was going to be okay cuz I knew God would help her and I knew that she would work it out and 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 God would be with her and 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 look where she is now. I mean as she said to me not too long ago, she goes, could you have ever imagined a year ago when I was where I was and where I am now? Like, you need to hang in there. If things are rough, you just hang in there. You know, life changes on you all the time. Nothing stays the same. So you might as well hold on tight, hold on tight to your faith, uh, and trust in the good Lord because he he will carry you right through.
1: I feel like every time I was going to ask a question, you just kind of read my mind and answered it anyway. So I just let you roll with it and I'm so glad I did. I think we should end we this. should probably wrap this up. But is there any last words you want to share before we bring this to a close? I would
0: I would say that that if you're not already doing this, just just start doing it today. Just Love and continue to love and grow that love every day, because it really is the answer to everything. Just give love, it comes back so many folds back to you. you know the more you give, the more it comes back it's it's the best thing you can give somebody is love. It really is, so if you're not loving enough, love more, and if you think you're loving enough that much you can even love even more so yeah that's that that's what i would leave it with basically and happy Mother's Day to all those beautiful mothers out there. Yes, happy Mother's Day. Yeah, and all those mothers-to-be, too. All mothers. the mothers-to-be, all the people who have lost
1: a mother, all the people yes. who may be estranged from their mothers, all for the dads who have stepped up when mothers are not around. Yeah, to every... And other
0: people that have stepped up to be mothers, for those that don't have yes, mothers. Yes, absolutely. And all the mothers that came before us because they did a beautiful job. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we, the world could be here without mothers. We wouldn't be anywhere where we are if it wasn't for the love of mothers. We wouldn't. The the big nurturers of the world, you know? And when Anna Dow talks goes live (laughs) in a
1: week... Because I think we have enough to probably do an entire podcast series. At You're gonna this have point. to
0: edit this, I think. Uh, no, I think. <laughs> the, no, version. I
1: love. I loved every second of this. I love this, and I really think that you should do one.
0: No, I can't. I can only do it if we're talking, and that's fine. Yeah.
1: Because I'll just say one word, and you'll get going, and then you'll just won't stop, it's and it'll terrible. be perfect.
0: No, it won't be perfect. All I right. Well,
1: if I mean maybe if I can do a poll, I'm gonna figure out how I can do a poll. I'm gonna do a poll and see who <laughs> should. Uh, should we start an? and How Talks podcast because I think we should.
0: You could just interview me once in Mm -hmm. a while. That's all. I have nothing new to say. You always do. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. And if you want to be along for the journey and continue to hear more episodes make sure to hit that follow subscribe button and if you have a story that you want to share please this is a safe space to be able to share your story that's why i'm doing what i'm doing so please reach out LaurenDow.com, instagram facebook twitter at lauren dow writes however it is you got to get in touch with me and comments and comments i don't even know where the where do they do comments on like
0: spotify and stuff
1: do you know I don't know. I, I
0: don't know, but if there's a place where they can do comments, they can do comments. Yeah,
1: anywhere, Put it. do a comment. Do that a lot. Mm. So, anyways, they,
0: I love I was, you. Yeah. Thank you for listening, you.
1: and... Have a beautiful day. Yeah. Until next time.